Tappahin is being brought to you by St. Clair Health. Expert care from people who care. Greetings! We are here at Outreach Teen and Family Services Office to record this new episode. I'm Sid and this is Caroline and we have two guests this week who are going to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Mike Dempy. I've recently retired. Um, by way of background, Penn State graduate in accounting, worked as a CPA firm before going to be chief financial officer with the business and then ultimately retiring as president. Awesome. So my name is Stephanie Entity, and I currently work for Northwest Bank um, here in Mount Lebanon. Um, I have about 10 years in banking, but I also uh, took a break in the middle to run my own small business. So I have a little bit of um, uh, experience doing different things. And then I also work with the marching band at Mount Lebanon High School. Um, I teach the color guard there. So I get to work with kids all the time as well. Awesome. Okay. All right. So we're going to do our fast five questions. That always trips me up. Okay. Our first one, um, I'll start with you, Sid. Beach or mountains? Um, definitely the beach. And now our guests. Uh, mountains, for sure. Beach. Okay. Um, I'm probably a beach. Okay. Dogs or cats? Definitely. Oh, I have a dog, and I like dogs, but I've always wanted a cat. <laughs> um, I actually have one dog and three cats, so for me, I think it's a tie. <laughs> dogs. Yeah, I'm dogs for sure. <laughs> okay, next one is dark or milk chocolate? Um, definitely milk chocolate. <laughs> she always says it funny. Uh, milk chocolate, hands down. Dark chocolate. Me too, Mike. <laughs> okay. Starbucks or Dunkin'? I like Dunkin's food, but Starbucks drinks. Fair. Definitely Starbucks. Starbucks. Yeah, me too. Although Dunkin' has the donuts, so. <laughs> okay, so Sid and I had some fun writing these. And for you guys, we have, do you pay with cash or card? Ooh, I never, almost never pay with cash. Me either. Okay. Uh, I like to pay with cash, mostly because that's what I have. But. I like to pay with card. <laughs> okay. So before we begin our discussion today, we, we would like to give St. Clair Health another shout out for their generosity in sponsoring the first season of Teens Tap In. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. So excited, Sid and I are back in 2022. Yeah. Um, we have lots of exciting episodes on the slate for this year. And before we get into the real content, we're going to cut to another ad from St. Clair Health. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. All right, so why don't you take this first one? So if you haven't figured it out already, this podcast is going to be on financial literacy. So our first question is, it seems to be increasingly popular for kids to have jobs these days in high school. Have you witnessed this trend? What is the best way to manage the income that they are earning from work? Um, yeah, I can say that I've definitely seen um, more and more kids getting jobs, you know, with the kids I teach and also um, at the bank. Uh, my 
my first recommendation would just be to, you know, open an account to put it in. And I say, if you're old enough, you should actually open a checking account and a savings account. And no matter what, uh, no matter what you want to spend it on, um, put something in the savings every single time you get paid. Um, whether you want to save for a big purchase or just save for your future, it's really easy just to kind of let all of your money um, waste away, you know, swiping that debit card. So if you can get on a good routine and put a little bit of money away, it's going to build up very quickly for you. That's a great answer about the savings part. Because I've always said, if you don't tell your money where to go, it'll tell you where it went. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely a victim to that. <laughs> um, that is the norm. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think mm-hmm. Stephanie's advice was so good. But it's interesting. As you read a lot of studies over the last 10 or 15 years, less and less high school and college kids are working. Yeah. Which is part of the job problem. Myself, though, I work through high school and through college to afford it. But right. I think it depends on the situation. Yeah, I know one thing that like a lot of kids come across is jobs where you're making cash. So like babysitting, you know, landscaping jobs, whether it's just like a small business that's paying you under the table. Do you guys have anything to say on like the legality of that? Like I know I've heard like horror stories of kids getting like totally in trouble because they're like not filing taxes. Yeah, I don't think that that's a big area. I mean, technically you should declare all of that, but I think that reality is, you know, if it's babysitting, grass cutting, those types of monies. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to be like locked up. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Kind of build (laughs) off of that. Um, What are the biggest changes like legally and income wise that a kid should start to look for and, you know, take note of when they turn 18? So like, for example, filing taxes, filing as an independent versus a dependent. And like, especially now, like um, maybe stimulus checks, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Do you want to kind of take that one? Sure. Um, It's interesting with with the taxes. It's not so much age based as it is income-based. And so as soon as you start receiving money that you're going to declare, uh, you should start to consider it. And just there's sort of three different tax areas you need to consider. One is the federal government, one is the state, and one is the the local community. And so just there's two types of income, not to get crazy, but one is if you're working for it, earned income. Mm -hmm. If you have money in the bank and you're earning interest in those things, that gives you a different barometer. So for the state and the local, if you earn income, you should be filing a state tax or local tax return. For the federal government, it's really you have to earn more than $12,000 in a year before you worry about that. So I think the biggest thing is just be aware if you're making money, age isn't going to go to Google and find out what the rules are. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think, too, um, with things like health insurance and stimulus, you know, and being that dependent or not, I think a lot of that's a family decision, Uh, you know, whether your parents want to continue claiming you and how much they're going to keep helping you, you know, after you turn 18. Uh, Some people, you know, move out and start to pay their own bills. And at that point, you know, you would file everything on your own. But up until I think 26, right, you can actually stay independent if you're in school, you can be on their health insurance, kind of gives you a little bit of extra time to get that head start in life. Yeah, I think that's important to be actively having the conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of kids get to 18 and like, 
like what now and then you have to have that conversation as it's happening as opposed to proactively having it i mean there are i mean not a lot but when you get when you turn 18 you know for guys registering with selective service um you know starting to think about what goes on your record and like how long those things are going to be there so i think um it's important to save some grief when it's when you do turn 18 by having that conversation beforehand. And Caroline, just to, to stay with that, first on when should you file a tax, all the things we said, but if you are working and somebody is withholding taxes from your paycheck, then you always want to file the, the tax return at that point, particularly to get it back. Okay, yeah. But I love your topic because money is a very interesting finance as a topic. I'm really glad you're having this tonight because I think in high school is the best time for people to start to learn about money. So your point as I grow up, what now? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is a class at the high school um, on personal finance, Yeah. but I understand it's not used by a lot of students. No, no. I think that's um, a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially once you graduate college and still maybe haven't taken a class like that. You know, like you start thinking about how do I buy a house? What's a mortgage? You know, questions that people turn to Google for when mm-hmm. like it's something you should have been taught and have, an, have a space to ask questions about. I think there's kind of this, um, you know, cold turkey for a lot of kids when they go from being in college and kind of having multiple support systems in place. Absolutely. Um, to, and I just right. think the earlier you start, that's so I'll continue to go back to Stephanie's. If you save a little bit of everything you make, it's interesting. If you put $100 a week or a month away, starting when you're in high school, you're a millionaire by the age of 55. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. <laughs> but people don't think in those very granular right. terms. Yeah. And then oftentimes by the time they do start to look at it. It's too late. It's too late. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> that millionaire fact is really having me thinking over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's never too early to start. Yeah. And Mike, the other thing you said is um, when taxes are starting to be withheld from your paycheck, filing for a turn, I think there's definitely like some frustration when you get your first job and it's maybe a minimum wage job and you all of a sudden get a paycheck and you're like, you know, this much of my money is going to somewhere that I might not see it again until I'm like filing for social security. I think that can be a frustrating feeling. So like really getting a grasp on, you know, how to collect at the end of the year or when you're going to start seeing that again, or, you know, why it's important to understand why you're paying those things is a really important thing. Caroline, that's a great point. Outreach is actually planning to try to come out with some programming in this area as the year goes on. But I can't tell you how many times through my professional career, people came up to me and didn't understand how much money they were making because they saw their after-tax pay, which was so different, and they didn't understand those things. So if you don't understand it early, you usually don't learn it later on either. And I know Caroline said like working a minimum wage job, but what's the difference between like working a job like that and working a job on salary? Like especially coming right out of college or right out of high school, like these are the jobs that we're going to be picking up potentially. So like what's the difference between those kinds of jobs? Yeah, sure. So salary, um, there are some really nice benefits. 
uh, where you're going to have a much more stable income. So every time you're getting paid, you're going to see the same amount of money, you know, coming home. So as far as a budgeting perspective, it's definitely very easy. Uh, the flip side of that is sometimes you are working more hours because you're not necessarily tracking, you know, the amount of time that you're spending at work. Um, whereas when you're on that hourly, you know, you really, you kind of really focus on, you know, how much you're working. I think to me, um, the salary is just nice from that like consistency perspective. Cause mm-hmm. you know, every month, you know, I can afford this much in a mortgage payment. I can afford this much in a car payment, um, because you have that stability. And then is, if you're on an hourly basis, you talk about minimum wage, whatever you're getting paid by the hour, as Stephanie said, you count hours. The biggest difference is if you work more than 40 hours and you're not on salary, then you're entitled to overtime. Yeah. So your pay that has that flexibility uh, up or down. Yeah. And going off of that, how can a teen start to be more conscious and careful about building a credit? So I know that's not the same thing about savings, but a little bit different. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I think credit is one of the hardest things for young people because you don't learn how to use it. And it is a very complicated topic. Um, There's a couple things that I jotted down here. Um, One way to very easily build strong credit is if your parents have strong credit, they can add you as an authorized user on one of their credit cards. And you immediately can earn some of the benefits of the hard work that they did. Um, if they don't want to do that or you don't have that option, um, there are things called secured credit cards. Um, I definitely recommend if you're going to do that to go to you know, a bank or a reputable um, credit provider because a lot of those do come with large fees. But you could do that or get a, a credit card with a small limit. Um, and what you really want to do when you first start is just use it maybe for one thing, something small you buy every month and pay it absolutely in full. So the trap that people get into, especially when they go to college, is people throw credit at you and then people rack up these large balances and they can't afford to pay them back. Um, in my industry, you know, sometimes we'll call credit cards like bad debt. And the reason we call it that is a lot of cards have very high interest rates. So if you buy things on it like Starbucks or Dunkin' and you don't pay it off every month, that 3 or $4 coffee can become a $30 coffee. Yeah. Um, so it's just really important to use it responsibly because it will save you a lot of money in the long run. I couldn't agree more with everything Stephanie said. If you're building credit, be careful with it. Use it, pay it off that month, and still continue to pay as many things you can with cash mm-hmm. um, as possible. Credit card is great for security. If you need something in a pinch, you don't have money, it's great to build a credit. But the big caution is, it really starts to compound interest if you don't keep it paid off. Yeah, I think that's um, a concept that's hard to grasp when you go from like, you know, I think more and more banks are coming out with like, I mean, for me, it's PNC virtual wallet. Yeah. Where like you're only spending money that you have. And then when you have this credit card that it like sort of feels like you could put anything on if you don't have the money, it's like, Oh, shoot, I get the bill at the end of the month and, like, I can't pay that. Let like magic you, money. Yeah. Let me yeah. tell you a funny <laughs> story money. about the magic money. <laughs> and then I want to give you a little tip for that. But when our kids were younger, we did the whole thing. You know, have to save so much, spend so much, contribute so much. So the boys are in Toys R Us, and we could watch them pulling their money to try to get what they wanted. And they didn't have enough. So they came to me and literally asked, we use the card that you can use not to have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so gosh. It taught me as parents 
how we set behaviors, not knowing it, that are the wrong behaviors to show. So it's interesting because with the credit card or with savings, one of the things I would really encourage people your age is to start to budget. Understand how much money you're going to get and what you're going to do with each dollar. And it's funny, if you do that with savings planned in, you'll have savings, but you'll also manage your debt through the same technique. So a very simple budget is the one thing that I would really recommend. And Stephanie, I don't know if you have Absolutely. Um, I work with people all the time at the bank. Um, on budgets. And, you know, some people are in their 40s and 50s, and they've never lived with a budget. And what they realize once we start working on it is there's so much money every month that they're throwing away. So they're living this very stressful life because they're constantly running out of money and running short. But when they really look at, you know, where every dollar goes, um, they realize they have a lot more money than they thought they had um, just by kind of budgeting it out and holding yourself um, responsible for your spending. And that really comes into play as you do make some of those big purchases in life, like buying a house or buying a car. Um, If you establish credit young and you are very responsible with it, you're going to end up with, you know, lower interest rates, which over the long term can save you hundreds of thousands of dollars um, on those big purchases. And that's, I mean, that's life changing. If you have $300,000 in the bank versus $300,000 in paying it, you know, on your, your car payment or house payment. Um, that can help you retire faster or do any number of things that you want to do. It's a lot of money. I'm yeah. really honored to be sitting next to Stephanie because she really, great answers. Thank you. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. great advice. And it's funny, the number one cause of divorce in this country is money. That is very true. But for both of you, the number one cause of kids dropping out of college money. is also money. It's money. Yeah. I think it's definitely, I mean, bringing us into our next question. So I feel like a lot of kids spend their last year, year and a half of high school, as you're thinking about college, I mean, thinking about the money that comes with college. And I think um, a lot of parents and kids don't have the mutual understanding of like, okay, well, what can we afford? Um, What do I have saved up? Um, you know, what saving plans do I have in place? Are loans an option for me? And so I think um, there's this kind of rushed concern in the last year of high school, like, can I go to this college? Because is it, you know, is it going to give me the money that I need? Um, what not? So how can parents and kids work together to cohesively navigate the financial aid process with confidence and transparency? Um, So I think it is very complicated. And, you know, you hear every day about student loan debt and how it's, you know, it's crippling people when they graduate from school. Um, I know plenty of people that are still paying on their student loans in, you know, their 40s, um, 50s. I mean, people pay forever. Um, as far as getting financial aid, I think one of the most important things is organizing all of your paperwork up front. I help people every single year that have no idea when they go to fill out that FAFSA, like what they need. So, you know, making sure your parents have filed their tax returns, making sure that kind of their ducks are in a row with, you know, what the schools want. And then I always really recommend working with the financial advisor at the college you're choosing to go to because they are absolutely experts in what they do and you can use that expertise that they've you know they've built up over time um looking for things like scholarships and grants too um there are so many out there and sometimes people don't even 
apply for them. You know, mm-hmm. they're like scrambling to find people to give their money to. Um, so there's there's a lot of money out there. You just kind of have to do a lot of work to find it sometimes. No. And, oh, one second, Mike. I know you <laughs> mentioned um, FAFSA. Yeah. And for us going to college, we do have a little bit of knowledge of that. But for our listeners, could you go a little bit more in depth of what FAFSA is and how that works in managing finances for college? Sure. Do you want to? Okay. So basically that is going to be the application for um, federal aid. And um, when you go through the application, there's a ton of questions they ask you. So they ask you, you know, what kind of money you have in the bank. Um, You have to submit information about your parents because you are technically a dependent. So how much money your parents make, you know, what kind of assets they have. So they look at um, what you're bringing in and the government tells you kind of how much they expect you to contribute towards your education versus how much you might qualify, uh, you know, for grants or for like subsidized or unsubsidized loans from the government. So that's basically where they figure out kind of your, the beginnings of your financial aid. Um, and then from there, depending on what school you choose, that might not be enough. And that's when people start getting into like private loans, um, a lot of people that are, are paying those crazy interest rates you hear about, they're not those government loans. They're really um, in some of those like um, other programs because those those rates can be, I mean, I help people refinance them all the time and I've seen like 18% on student loans. Like it's, it's crazy um, the amount of money that some people pay, you know, yeah. towards that debt. Go ahead, Mike. No, I know no, you that's all you Perfect answer. Now, <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to go back to, to where Caroline was. And I think as you're talking with your parents, the first discussion is why are you going to college? Mm-hmm. And I think that if you have the money to do whatever you want, that that's awesome. And I would never go where you want. But if you don't, I think you need to look at what you're trying to accomplish by going to college. And then I think after that conversation, really trying to figure out what college can you afford? Because you can oftentimes get the same degree at multiple colleges for multiple different amounts of money. And so I think that if you wanted to say, how can I go to college with the least debt at the end, is if you start with the most affordable college. And typically that's going to be an in-state public school. And then I, I loved where Stephanie was going. There is so many grants, scholarships, and work-study program that's available. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually heard a story where senior in high school, single mom, couldn't help her daughter. And at Christmas break, she told her daughter that her job, until she graduated, was to sign up, register for two a day, five days a week for four months. Talking to this girl at graduation, she had zero debt and $4,000 in the bank. Wow. That's amazing. But that's five months. Right. It's a job. It is yes. a job. Finding all that's available. So that's the thing I think is really under tapped. Right. I mean, you can go online and find scholarships for, I mean, the one that's like my favorite I heard about like three years ago. It's like a duct tape scholarship where like you make um a piece of clothing out of duct tape and like the coolest one gets like $5,000 right. a year. Yeah. I mean, I do think there's a lot of, um, a lot of resources out there. And I mean, a lot of them are just like 2000, 1000, um, $2,500, whatnot, but that adds up. A I lot mean, of people back away because they say that's too little. Right. As opposed to stacking mm-hmm. a whole bunch of them together. Mm-hmm. You're right. right. 
And the last thing is what you talked about earlier, part-time job, that it said that if you work 20 hours a week at a part-time job, you should be able to afford to go to an in-state public college mm -hmm. debt-free. And the other thing that makes it more exciting, as studies have shown, that those kids have better grades than those who don't work. Hmm because you learn self-discipline in those. Right. Things. And time management. I mean, I think that's, that's huge. When you do kind of put more on your plate, you have to be more responsible. So then you tend to focus in on your studying, you know, when you need to. Um, but in what Mike just said too, I can't agree more. I mean, figuring out what you can afford. Um, we're very lucky in Pittsburgh to have, you know, a really good community college. We have a lot of colleges here and all of those professors at CCAC are also, you know, professors at Carlo and Pitt and all of the other schools there's nothing wrong, especially if you don't know, you know, what you want your major to be um, with getting some of those like general education credits out of the way, um, you know, at CCAC and then transferring them. We have great transfer programs. And in the world we live in right now, I think it is really important to figure out what you want to do because not all jobs require, you know, a four year degree anymore. Mm -hmm. um, there are all sorts of things you can do. And I think a lot of times kids feel pressure to go to school the minute they graduate high school and then they don't always do well. You know, a lot of people um, come home after a year with a bunch of debt and credits that aren't really for what they wanted, you know, to go to school for. So I think kind of figuring out what you want to do is really more important than, you know, kind of signing on the dotted line for, you know, the school you're going to go to. And then once you know, I mean, I'm all for going to school. I, I would go to school forever if I could. <laughs> I love to learn. I think it's wonderful. And it's never wasted. I think as long as you're learning, it's not wasted money, but it could certainly be used a little bit better if you kind of put that plan into place first. Oh, excellent. Stephanie, I think that's something that no one talks about enough. I mean, the reality is not everyone's ready to go to college as soon right. as they graduate high school. And I mean, taking a year to get some credits at CCAC or, you know, even taking a gap year, I just literally two hours ago was at the doctor's office and my dentist was telling me a story about someone that um, I think two years ago took a gap year, got a full-time inter internship and went into their first year of college with $20,000. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is just um, really um, undervalued. And I think for the kids, for one reason or another that aren't ready to, you know, leave home or um, do whatever it may be that, you know, um, prestigious schools like Mount Lebanon and Upper Sinclair, you feel like you're expected to go to some big name school and do something amazing. But I mean, oftentimes taking a gap year or, um, you know, deferring a year are, reasonable and wonderful options. And Caroline, even more so, even on the trades, be it electrician, mm -hmm. plumbing, carpentry, um, you can have amazing lives doing those things. And I think that's been overlooked for a lot of years. Yeah, there's actually, um, a, in a few years, there's actually going to be more of those jobs available than people available to fill them. So a lot of those jobs are, you know, increasing starting salaries and the benefits are amazing. Um, I also think just back to what you said, I mean, everyone kind of grows at their own pace, especially coming out of the pandemic environment that we're in. If you're not ready, it's okay to say I'm not ready. Um, and internships are a great option. If you think there's something you're interested in, there are a lot of companies that will let you, you know, job shadow or, you know, do something in their company. And if you show that you're the right kind of person with the right skills, you might be able to, you know, build a career 
there um, while you go to school. And then tuition reimbursement comes into play. So if you still want to go to school, the company can help you pay for it. Yeah. And so you guys have both shared a lot of wisdom. Um, Do you both of you have any other resources or any more wisdom that um, someone told you or that you'd like to share that could be helpful to our listeners? Or especially now with the backgrounds you both have, like what is something you wish someone told you when you were 16, 17, 18? Do you want to go first? Um, The simple one is spend less than you make. (laughs) Sounds stupid, but that'll never get you in trouble. Right. That's very true. <laughs> I wish I had done that when I was 18. So uh, Don't many of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other thing is in terms of resources, great question. Um, one of the better ones that I found, uh, there's a person, many people have heard of him, Dave Ramsey, and he has what's called Financial Peace University, and he actually has a program for adults, for high school kids, and for middle school kids. I found that at least the most effective that I've come across in terms of resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one thing would just be to slow down. So when you get to, you know, college or you graduate high school, um, all sorts of things are just going to fly at you. And it's really easy just to kind of sign on the dotted line and not pay attention to what you're doing. But, you know, read the things that you're you're going to sign before you sign them. Um, And in general, as far as resources, honestly, your local bank is a great resource. Um, We truly act as, you know, coaches and um, educators for people when it comes to finances. We do it all day, every day. I say my job is just to talk about money. (laughs) Um, So there's an expert in just about everything, um, actually really everything when it comes to money, just sitting there waiting to talk to you. So if there's something you're not sure about, there are no dumb questions. Um, I have helped people, you know, in their 60s open their first bank account. I've helped people take their credit from, you know, the lowest score ever to something where they can buy a home. Like we're not scary. We're definitely there to help more than anything. So even if you get in trouble, you know, with your finances, um, talking to somebody, they will be there to help you. I mean, communication is just, is really key. Just to emphasize what Stephanie has said, the smaller community banks like Northwest they really do take more time to provide that type of a service. So I think that was a great suggestion. The other thing is there are personal finance coaches, just like yes. everybody else has coaches, that if you're into a situation, sometimes it's worth paying for that to get that intense help in a short period of time if you don't want to do it yourself. Yeah, and um, we both on this podcast and here at Outreach are all about resources and taking advantage of the ones that are there to help you. Mm-hmm. And lastly, this podcast would not be possible without the support of our generous sponsor, St. Clair Health. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together by creating reliable resources that recognize all of our neighbors with access to the highest quality health care, advanced care close to home, and a shared humanity that delivers on our joint vision to create a healthier community for all. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. Okay, so Mike and Stephanie, thank you so much. Um, This podcast was a little bit of a different topic than we've been doing, but I think it's a conversation that needs to be had and that um, we are so excited that we had two people with wonderful backgrounds to have it with us. 
And I think, um, you know, it does have a, to- a lot to do with mental health. Um, this is one of the most stressful. I mean, you guys said the number one reason for divorce is money. So I think when you have a better understanding of it, you are um, you're more likely to have less stress about it. I think that's just like um, inevitable. Um, we also wanted to thank Mount Lebanon Magazine. Stephanie Hackey wrote a wonderful article featuring our own Maggie Zangara and Sid and I on the on our podcast. And um, we're coming back to you next month with an episode on um, mental health and its relationship to the law. And also, Mount Lebanon families with students in middle or high school, um, you should be receiving in the mail information to have to take the RAPS assessment at school or at Outreach Teen and Family Services office. RAPS is a standardized mental health screening for students administered by master's level clinicians at Outreach Teen and Family Services. RAPS is a 21 question validated screening tool that can be used to provide mental health resources to improve students' mental health and overall well-being. Definitely something to consider and it takes at most five to 10 minutes to complete all right thanks guys thank you both yeah thank you for having us The views and opinions expressed in the Teens Tap In podcast represent the opinions of the hosts and their guests. The views and opinions expressed by Outreach Teen and Family Services employees, donors, and volunteers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view of Outreach Teen and Family Services or the show's sponsors. The content here should not be taken as counseling advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is unique, Please consult your mental health provider or physician for any mental health counseling or other medical questions. The podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including, but not limited to, establishing a standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. If you find any error in any of the content of the podcast, please contact us at podcasts at outreachteen.org. Outreach Teen and Family Services, its sponsors, donors, and partners expressly disclaim any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages whatsoever arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast. Please go to www.outreachteen.org to see the complete notice and disclaimer for the podcast episodes. (music) 